broadcasting from the heartland of America in the Hoosier Media Network Studios. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. It is the Voice Reasons Weekend Edition, your favorite time of the entire weekend. And man, I cannot believe that we are already getting into Christmas time. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year and happy Yule time, whatever you celebrate, however you look at it. I guess I could say happy holidays to encompass all of it, but I like to tell you Merry Christmas. And here's the thing. If you don't celebrate Christmas, totally cool. Uh, here's how it works. Here's how it works. I'll tell you Merry Christmas. You tell me Happy New Year or Happy Hanukkah. And they'll be like, oh, my gosh, cool. Tell me all about Hanukkah. Dying to learn all about it. And they'll be like, oh, cool. And they can tell me. And they can tell me, oh, you said Merry Christmas. I don't celebrate that. What is that? Tell me all about it. And then we can live happy hunky-dory and in a unified, wonderful, kumbayotic state across the nation. Is that how the world works? I'm going to go with that one. That's that's what I'm going to say. Welcome into it. It is The Voice of Reason. You can find us all over our social media at Hoosier Reason, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason. Also, our website at HoosierReason.com. But we are on all of these social media sites, your favorite ones, Facebook and the Tweety or X, along with YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and our Freedom Book and Parlor and Truth Social. Although I have to admit, I have yet to really do much on some of those. So I haven't really grown them. But you can definitely find me on there. We got a lot to talk about today. Mark Marie, he is the uh, policy fellow for the regulatory policy at Americans for Prosperity, our great partners here on the program. We'll chat with him at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk about land and we're going to talk about the administrative state, the bureaucratic state, energy across the nation. Have you noticed that gas prices are a little bit better, a little bit further down than what they used to be? I know, kind of nice. Now, there's a couple different factors for that, and I will give you a hint. No, it does not have anything to do with Joe Biden uh, relieving the energy industry or allowing us to produce any more oil. We are producing more oil, but it's not because of the Biden administration. So we'll break some of that down coming up at the bottom of the hour. Lots more to talk about, though, because this episode, this show is really going to kind of start doing our 2023 year in review. We're going to start recapping some of the things that are going on in the world and looking back on the year. Because next next week, Chad, I'm really excited about this, man. For next week on the Christmas episode of The Voice of Reason, I have a special one. Now, for those that may be new to the program, because this national show is still relatively young, really still uh, relatively still in its infant stages. We've only been doing this for about six months or so. I For those that may have never heard our weekend or our special Christmas episode, I am so excited to do this. When I was interning for... Uh, the great legendary talk radio host. When I first got into broadcasting, I interned for a guy by the name of Mike Rosen. He was the really the massive kahuna. He was the big dog talk show host in the entire state of Colorado. Uh, hat tip to uh, the radio station 850 KOA out there, the big blowtorch, 100,000 watt big station out of Denver. And he was the talk show host there for years. I listened to him in high school when I first started listening to talk radio. With It was Rush Limbaugh and it was Mike Rosen. And he was the local guy that talked national issues. He was an amazing guy. He had actually filled in for Rush Limbaugh a couple of times. And when I went to college, I went to college in Ohio for a while, came back to Colorado for the broadcasting school. And lo and behold, I had the honor to sit and actually intern for him for six months when I was starting to craft my skill into getting to this industry. And one of the coolest things that I ever got to experience and that I always loved listening to and that I got to partake in when I was interning with him was his Christmas special. So I got to admit, I kind of stole the idea from him, but he's retired now. God bless him. We've had him on the show a couple of times throughout the years uh, as we've continued to grow this show before we got syndicated. And he he's still rocking it, still out there having fun, although retired. What he used to do on his Christmas program was every year he would step away from all the politics. 
He would step away from it all and he would have fun with all of these um, these archived audio clips and bits and fun little audio um, stories that he would do and all these fun things. Now, as you know, on this show, we make our fun satire audio bits on this program, the, the satire infomercials that we try to promote fake products that are kind of fun and cheesy and sarcastic. Uh, we play some of those, but then also other audio bits that I've taken from his program and from ones that I've collected myself throughout the years as well. And we just have fun. We have fun for a holiday episode. So we're going to do that next week. Don't miss it. going to be a lot of fun. The next one will be our end of the year review of what the heck happened in 2023 and what we get to look forward to in 2024, which I'm telling you, man, strap in, buckle up and have some fun because that's going to be a huge show uh, and a big year for what we get to look forward to next year with the elections and with legislative sessions and with all the shenanigans that are about to unfold before our eyes coming up next year. So stay tuned in for all of that. This program, however, means we get to cram in what's left before Congress now that Congress has officially vacated Washington, D.C., and they're on the home front, or at least they're trying to be on the home front as they're finishing up some of the conversations with Ukrainian funding, which Democrats, of course, are losing their minds. Let's go ahead and do a week in review. It's your week in review. Now, before we go any further, I do I do have to say we have to go back to one of our favorite guys that we have on this program. or the, we, we haven't had him on the program, but we at least like to have fun with him. And, of course, that is the man, John Fetterman from Pennsylvania. It's, thank you for all being here today, uh, experts. And it's always a treat to be here when I'm able to talk to people much smarter than I am. And this last time I was in this very same chair, we were talking about crypto. And I asked the experts and I said uh, a couple questions and they were kind of fundamental is like, and I just want to ask you as well, too, as experts, um, should crypto exist? Yeah. In other yeah. words, is, you know, where should it exist? Like, well, you know, why should it endure? Why why should it endure? Should it should it exist? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Not the prettiest guy with words, prettiest guy in general, with his nice little hoodie and, uh, you know, a, a cargo shorts that he wears to Congress all the time. But nonetheless, we like to poke fun of him, but we have to give credit where credit is due sometimes. And there are times, I know this is really wild for us to say, Andy, what's wrong with you? I know... I know, but where credit is due is that we have to acknowledge the fact that John Fetterman comes from the state of Pennsylvania. Now, I've been to Pennsylvania a couple of times, and Pennsylvania is a relatively center, maybe slightly leaning blue state. But why is it? The vast majority of the workers in the state of Pennsylvania are blue-collar union workers down there, which is why they're mostly progressive Democrats, because they're union workers, but they are still just the hardworking good old boys middle America. And John Fetterman is the guy that's supposed to represent that crowd in some aspect. And he's upsetting his own caucus right now, which is really hilarious to watch because obviously they hyped him up to be the next great thing. He's the victim because he's been attacked by Republicans so viciously. He's, you know, just this wonderful savior for the Democrat Party. He's going to be awesome. Don't worry the fact that he can't answer questions or that he can't talk coherently because of his strokes or that he doesn't show up in a suit and tie and that we actually try to change the dress code because of him. Don't worry about any of that. Just acknowledge the fact that he's an awesome progressive left-wing liberal that's going to represent the party and the great state of Pennsylvania. Well, he's in the hot seat for the Democrats right now because according to Fox News, he's openly said that, quote-unquote, he's not a progressive. As much of the far left says that they're angry with him with his stance on Israel and immigration. I would take it even further and say that his stance on going after uh, Mendez, is it Melendez, Mendez? the senator, with his investigations right now, that he's rocking the boat for the Democrat Party. And credit 
needs to be given where credit is due. And right now the credit is due to John Fetterman for calling out the Democrats for their ridiculousness by John Fetterman actually advocating for immigration policy to get Ukrainian funding. Saying, yeah, yeah, you know what? We got to do something. We got to seal the border. He's been 100% pro-Israel. Why? Because he represents truly, whether you like the guy or not, he truly represents the blue-collar workers of uh, Pennsylvania, not in the sense that, like, I want it to be conservative representation, but he really tries to be that middle that uh, middle class kind of guy that is representing what the average blue collar worker feels on particular issues like this. Israel in immigration, they're taking the jobs kind of mentality because, well, all the immigrants are coming in illegally and just trying to steal stuff. So, yeah, he represents that crowd. He took his job. He took it, girl. That's, I mean, that's the John Fetterman. That's that's what he is. So we got to give him props. Thank you, John Fetterman, for saying that you're not a progressive. You are on many aspects. Don't worry. And I, I disagree with you on probably about 90 percent of issues. But you're spot on on Israel. You're doing better on immigration and you're calling out the corruption within your own party while laughing at some of the corruption that's going on within the Republican Party, like George Santos, that we've seen throughout the week. So there, it's it's an interesting time. Again, you can never lump in and just assume what politics is going to look like in 2023 and 24. If we've learned anything really since 2016 and the Trump administration, everything that you anticipate that all the political experts for years have anticipated is not actually going to be happening in that same fashion. So it's an interesting world, and we'll talk more about what the future may hold in 2024 when Democrats are finally beginning to break rank. Oh, yeah, they're breaking rank big time. Uh, I don't know if you're aware or not, Chuck Schumer, along with John Fetterman in the Senate, are getting so much heat from the Democrats right now. Why? Because they were supposed to have this all wrapped up. They're supposed to be on vacation already for the holidays. And they're trying, I mean, I think they mostly are for the most part now. They're mostly headed back. The House is gone. We don't have to worry about them. So even if the Senate tries to do something on Ukrainian funding, then, you know, sorry, too bad, so sad. Now they're trying to push it through the, the Biden administration to do it themselves through executive order on all the money that was appropriated to Russia that we're not spending because we're holding and freezing their assets with the ongoing conflict. Let's reappropriate them and send them to Ukraine. That's the latest push from Chuck Schumer and the Democrats. But the mainstream Democrat caucus right now, livid at Chuck Schumer for even being willing to negotiate with the Republicans on immigration to tie that in with the Ukrainian funding. Now, I want you to stop and just absorb that for a second. Can we just ponder this for a second? We have a Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, that said we will not pass Ukrainian funding solely on its own. We have a major crisis of invasion on our southern border here in the United States. So if we're going to fund Ukraine from fending off an enemy trying to invade us, we should probably seal up our own border and do something together as well. Now, this is not a far-fetched policy. If you've listened to politics any time in the last, I don't know, last hundred years, Democrats have been the masterminds at partnering and piggybacking other issues and bills without us really recognizing it. Remember the omnibus bills that we passed since, I don't know, the Barack Obama era of, oh, um, yeah, we need to pass it to see what's in it. Don't worry about all the little details. We don't know what's in this omnibus massive package. We're just going to pass it to see what's in it. They've done it forever. And all oh, the military bill, it's going to save the military while we have funding for like bridges in Utah or something. Like, this is the garbage that they always do. So now Republicans, under Speaker Mike Johnson, not under Kevin McCarthy, would like to make that clarification for those that are like, we shouldn't have done that transition. Would like to remind you now that for the first time since I can remember in politics, essentially, 
we have a Republican Party that's finally starting to understand the power within, starting to understand the influence that they actually have. It is actually promoting the idea that we can influence and we can hold to our own and we force them to come to the table. If you remember just a week or so ago, Chuck Schumer said, well, the H.R. 2 immigration package with Ukrainian funding, that's off the table and non-starter for conversation, non-negotiable, period, end of story, zip, zada, nada. And to them, they're like, we're open to immigration conversation, but our conversation that's open for immigration consists of just opening up the border wider by creating an app that's more accessible to more individuals (laughs) and spending a lot more money that's going to house a lot of the refugees, and I use refugees in air quotes here, that are coming into the country to give them more resources, more food, more housing, more so, so on and so forth. That was their solution to compromise. Now... They've realized the Republicans, for the first time since I can remember, they're serious. They're actually serious. And no, we will not pass Ukrainian funding. And and, and since the House is gone, they're already on vacation. Sayonara, my friends. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. We're done. And they did it without the Ukrainian funding. And now the the Democrats are in scramble. So Chuck Schumer's willing to now negotiate, not because he wants to, but because he's had his hand forced. And because now he's starting to negotiate on immigration policy, the Democrats, who are the purists, who are the children who have never been told no in their entire life, are now having to actually come to the table and give up something that they don't want. And because of that, they're angry at Chuck Schumer for open to that negotiation because they're not used to being in this situation. Oh, how the tide has turned. That makes me happy going into a new year. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's America's political therapist. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. The reason I bring up this ongoing battle with Congress right now and now advocating for the president to do it because Congress, well, we're on vacation, but you, hey, Mr. President, you can go ahead and do something. We're on vacation now. We'll see you later. Evil Republicans walked out without actually negotiating and working across the aisle with us. The Democrats are in complete turmoil right now, which is hilarious to watch going into an election season. But it's the first time they've ever had to experience it, something like this. They've always been in the dominance of the dialogue and the content and what's going on with legislation. They've always been there. And every single time that they've been in complete dominance and in control. The Republicans have always caved. They've always been scared of their shadow. There's not a single time in the politics that I've been aware of since I've paid attention to politics. Now, granted, I'm a little bit younger being part of that millennial generation, so I haven't experienced as long of a history of politics. But I don't remember in my time of studying and watching and paying attention to politics the last time that Republicans actually held their own and utilized the leverage that they actually had. And we only carry a half of one chamber of government which is the House of Representatives, and that's by a slim margin by like five votes. But we're using it. Isn't that so much different from what we had heard from like someone, I don't know, like Kevin McCarthy, just throwing that name out there. He tried, and then he would cave. Well, we can't let the government shut down. Well, we can't go away without doing this. Well, always find an excuse. There's a headline right now from the media, which is why this is hilarious to watch, because the media is now trying to turn to try and just knock down Mike Johnson, Speaker of the House, just a little bit, just knock him down a few pegs. According to Bloomberg.com, Mike Johnson may be the next speaker to lose his job. Why? Why? Why is that? 
why would Mike Johnson lose his job? Conservatives warned Johnson against the deals in Ukraine and any type of government shutdown. Lawmakers are due back in 10 days before the U.S. funding lapse. Everything going on in shambles, and he's not getting the job done. And I want to remind you that this is not, maybe in some sects, but this is not the main sediment and vision from most Republicans right now. This is not the way that most Republicans actually feel on the issue. Mike Johnson, while we still have some issues we need to address, obviously has only been in the seat for, what, like a month, month and a half? And even if we haven't changed all the policy and done a 180-degree turnaround, first off, it's going to take more than one person and more than a month to turn around the entire federal government from all its disasters. Number two, look at what we've done with the messaging and the power that we have. I have never seen Democrats actually sit there and come to the table and have a conversation about doing what Republicans want to do. Maybe won't get the entire H.R. 2 immigration bill that's quote-unquote strict, according to the media and the Democrats, the anti-immigration bill from Donald Trump, which is the way they try to categorize this thing. Maybe we won't get all that. But Mike Johnson was adamant that he would not pass Ukrainian funding unless we had some sort of immigration reform bill in there as well in the, in the legislation. And guess what? He did it. He refused to pass it. And now we're sitting there without Ukrainian funding. The Democrats are angry because they just call, they tried to call our bluff like they do every single time. And they've always won at that poker game. And this time they didn't. And now the head of the Democrats, desperate to get the money to Ukraine, desperate to look like a win for, uh, for foreign policy on the Democrat side going into an election season. Now they're scrambling. And the mainstream Democrats, the young ones, the AOCs, the B squad, and everybody else that's new in there on the Democrat ranks, they're angry not at the Republicans, but now angry at their own leadership for caving and actually being willing to negotiate. That is a monumental piece of news coming out of Washington, D.C. that we have not seen in a very long time. This is a major win for the Republican Party. While it may not seem it, while it may not look like it, while the media may not talk about it, this is a major win that they didn't try to bully us, blackmail us, and walk away from the deal, and then us cave because we're scared. We stood firm and we did that. We have a long way to go. We have a continuing resolution that, yeah, uh, a two-tiered system, one that ends in the middle of January, one that ends beginning of February. We have more appropriation bills we have to pass. We did cave a little bit on the military appropriate, uh, the uh, NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act. But we are winning on so many issues right now. This is a major, major first step, and that's something we need to be thankful for going into the new year. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Truth, reason, and common sense. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Do it. It is 35 minutes past the hour, radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. So great to have you with us here for another weekend edition here on the program. I want to tell you about my friends over at Americans for Prosperity. You can find them at uh, prosperityispossible.com. So here in my local community in the Wichita area where I'm based out of with our flagship uh, with the Hoosier Media Network Studios, I uh, great partners with our AFP team uh, with our statewide chapter. Just a couple weeks ago, they had done a Bidenomics is Broken event showing up to a, ga- or to a grocery store and handing out $60 gift cards for that grocery store to help out with food, saying that on average, grocery prices have been up near $60 compared to... Uh, uh, what they were prior to 
the Biden administration. $60 a week. That's insane. So they were helping out, giving out $60 gift cards, letting people know about how bad it was. And this would be in a community where you wouldn't normally think that uh, they would be necessarily conservative or Republican voters. And let me tell you something. I was there at the event. Everybody, everybody was like, oh, my gosh, this say up so much. Food prices are so ridiculously high. It's not even funny. People are recognizing it. <laughs> I saw a headline. Chad, jump on here for just a moment for a second, because there was a headline that I had seen from the Daily Beast. Now, for those that don't know what the Daily Beast is, an extremely left-wing uh, news source online. There was a headline from them, I want to say Friday, Thursday or Friday this week, that said, is social media brainwashing you into thinking the economy is actually bad? I mean, Chad, I don't know how much you spend on groceries or on gas to, for your family or gas to get to, to and from work and everything that you do. But I'm pretty sure that if we go out and we actually see the prices at the store, that's going to tell us whether the economy is good or bad. Not because social media brainwashed me into thinking it's bad, right? When my groceries cost me double every week. <laughs> yeah, the economy is not that great. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I broke it down on the weekday program, which you can always find on our podcast, The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier, on any of your favorite podcasting sites, The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. You can find it, subscribe to it, and you can see both this show after the program plus our hour-long weekday program all week long and even our local two-hour show on Saturday mornings as well that I do in the state of Kansas talking Kansas politics called Kansas Talk, but you don't have to worry about that one if you don't want to. I broke down the two kind of the tale of two stories right now on the economy. On one side of it from the Democrats, which is why they're trying to revive Bidenomics like the Phoenix coming out of the ashes right now on the campaign trail. For the first time, Joe Biden actually mentioned Bidenomics on the campaign trail lately. Uh, he had mentioned that, well, Bidenomics is working. We just saw so much more growth. And they're trying to run the stories that we're seeing job growth right now, that consumer spending's at all time highs, that the economy is so great that we actually bypassed the recession of 2023 because people continue to crank out the economy, proving that the economy is doing well. Now, what they didn't say, again, that's one side of the story, the tale of two stories here. The other side of it was that homelessness is ridiculously high at an all-time high, which is leading to crime rates because people can't afford to live because of the inflation, that food's up 30% over the past three years. And while gas may be low, it's in spite of the Biden administration, not because of the Biden administration. Andy, how do you figure that? That's very simple. With the gas prices, the oil industry, oil and natural gas companies have decided to drill more on their own and produce more in spite of the Biden administration. They're not the ones telling the oil companies to drill more. They're on their Green New Deal hype right now. They're trying to push them out. They're trying to squeeze them. They're not passing any more permits to go and drill in other places. So they're just producing more from the places that they actually have. And while the Biden administration's out there begging for OPEC to increase their production and sell us more again after OPEC said they're going to lower their production of oil globally, their goal, talking to numerous different energy experts, their goal was to try and raise barrels of oil up to near 100 to $120 a barrel. You know what it's at right now? According to Friday, at the end of trading on, at the end of the business on Friday, it was right around $70 a barrel. It's been floating between $60 to $70 a barrel, which makes gas prices relatively decent with an average of almost $3 a gallon across the country. Not too bad. Why? Not because of the oil production coming in from OPEC and from the global uh, globalites, if you want to call them that, but because domestic drilling of the local companies across the nation saying we're done with this crap and we're going to produce our own. That's in spite of the Biden administration. 
On top of that, consumer spending is up. Guess what? It's the fourth quarter. It's the holidays. You're buying all your favorite Christmas goodies for the next week for your family. The prices of things are still high, but yet we're spending more to try and pay and compensate for all that because we don't want to lower our lifestyle. And right now, according to the latest report, we broke the $1 trillion mark on credit card debt in the nation. For the first time ever, we broke a trillion dollars in credit card debt for personal debt in households. So we're spending more. Ah, oh, consumer price, uh, consumer spending's up right now. People are doing good. No, we're not. We're just putting it on credit. And the bubble's going to burst. The tale of two stories on how the economy's going. You need to know these things. And Americans for Prosperity is all about it. I did all that not to just, you know, hype up a- AFP, although there are great partners here, but because those are the facts right now, and you need to be aware of those. Prosperityispossible.com. Prosperityispossible.com. Go and check them out. You can get all this information by just signing up for their newsletter. That's all you got to do. That's the only thing you have to do. Prosperityispossible.com. Type in your email, be, become part of the team, learn about what's going on, and keep your head up and know that prosperity is possible, especially in 2024 and the upcoming elections. All right, I want to shift gears a little bit. Let's get into election season, shall we? It's your week in review. By the way, we were going to have uh, Mark Marie on the program from Americans for Prosperity. He's not able to make it today. We will get him on the show real soon, so not a big deal. Hope all is well with him. I am looking forward to chatting with him because they have so many different policy fellows with the AFP that we're going to bring each and one of them on throughout the show and talk about uh, things that are going on. Nonetheless, I want to shift to elections right now for just a moment. Uh, right now, while the Democrats and we just talked about earlier are kind of in shambles because of their policy and finally having to negotiate, finally having to come to the table in like a actual realistic form, which they've never done before. They don't know how to do it. And they're kind of like the young kids going into a new experience right now, not understanding what's happening and why they don't have dominant control over the situation like they used to when they were four years old and they would drop and dislocate their shoulder from holding their parents' hand because they really want a piece of candy at the store and their parents told them no. And then they throw the temper tantrum until they get it. It's not working any longer. And while they're falling apart, can I ask you the question? How long is it going to take for the Republicans to do the same thing and fall apart on their own? (laughs) I mean, we're already kind of there, aren't we? I have mentioned it briefly before. I live in the state of Kansas and our state Republican Party, not to not to rag on them, but our state GOP here in the state of Kansas is in kind of some hot water and at least struggling a little bit for election season. Our new chairman for or chairperson chairman for the state Kansas Republican Party is promised that he would have millions of dollars in the coffers going into election season. And as of summertime, I haven't seen the latest numbers. I'm sure they've come up. Hopefully they've come up by this time. But by the close to end of summer, like July, August time period, we had like $6,000 in our bank account for the state Republican Party. Out of promising that we'd have millions, we had like $6,000. Not a good sign. Not a good sign for the Republicans at all. And I've heard that many states are struggling through the same thing, that we have inner bickerings. We're trying to figure out there's an identity crisis right now for the GOP trying to find the direction we're going to go. And I get that. All right. We have to figure out the direction of the Republican Party. But this is going to be an all out brawl within the Republicans. And my only hope, my hope and pray this year is that we're not going to sabotage ourselves more than what the Democrats are sabotaging themselves. Because we are really good at doing that. And for the first time, Democrats are finally starting to do that a little more public than what they normally do. And I would like to say that the Republicans have an edge for us to win. And I would like to remind you, we have a massive opportunity this year to win the House and the Senate and the presidency. We could have, like the Trump administration's first term in 2016, where we had Republican majorities in the House and the Senate working with him 
But this time, we'll actually have a Republican Party willing to work with him instead of trying to fight against him, like we saw with Jeff Flake from Arizona, like we saw from John McCain in Arizona, like we saw from Mitt Romney, like we saw from Lisa Murkowski, like we saw from Susan Collins. The names go on. What was the guy from, uh, I can't remember, the guy from Nebraska as well? He's out now. He's now like the the uh, president of some university down in Florida, I think. But, uh, yeah, all the all the massive anti-Trumpers left. Liz Cheney, although she's trying to run for president now as well. <laughs> That's hilarious. But we have a huge opportunity right now. The question is, can Republicans pull it off? And if we would get out of our way and talk about policy let people know that there is an opportunity to get gas back down to $2 a gallon, not $3 a gallon. Let people know that you can actually afford groceries. You know, right now, the meme's floating around. Have you seen these, Chad, the, the meme of uh, like Home Alone and how much the kid actually was able to grab with a $20 bill at the grocery store? Have you seen those videos and those memes on, online right now? Those are huge. Yeah, look at that. I'm walking around with four or five bags of groceries with $20 uh, <laughs> from the $20 bill. Now, you can't buy three things at the grocery store for $20. You just can't do it. Oh, how inflation times have changed. We can let people know that that is a possibility. Again, if we would get out of our way and just allow that to happen, we would win this election very easily. They're going after the guns. They're going after freedom of speech. They're going after your economy. And all you have to do is not even go on the attack and do negative campaigning. Just step back and say, look at the world around you. How are things working out? And we could win easily. But instead, Republicans always seem to do the infighting. There is a race in Ohio. And I want to talk about this for a second. Number one, we don't have any radio affiliates up there yet, but we do have a lot of podcast listeners in that area. But this is my home area. This is where I grew up, the 9th Congressional District of Ohio. Now, we talk a lot with the 5th Congressional District and Congressman Bob Latta from that. And that was the district where I went to college. And that was just like right beside the district where I grew up in. But the 9th Congressional District is held by a Democrat right now by the name of Marcy Kaptur. And she's been there since like 1983. She's been there forever. She's been there for 21 terms. Who the hell needs to be in Congress for 21 terms? But she has been. And she's been there forever. And the reason she's there is because she uh, she has mostly rural communities, small towns, farmland, agriculture. But there's one major city within her district, which is Toledo, Ohio. And Toledo, Ohio is an extremely left-wing progressive liberal city that dominates the elections. And that way, that's why she's been able to stay in office for a very long time. So when we come back, we're going to talk about some of the drama going on in that district right now. Because Republicans are in shambles trying to find a replacement Republican candidate before the December 20th deadline to register to try and take her on. Because that's a district I think that we could actually win. We'll do that when we come back. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Where Hoosierholics gather every week, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is. Welcome back into it. Last few minutes of this hour, number one, here on the Voice Reasons Weekend Edition. So we have the 9th Congressional District for the state of Ohio. Now, for those that don't know where this is at, this is the district I grew up in. This is my childhood, uh, all the way up from being born to about middle school before I moved out to Colorado and then coming back as well for college, which was a little bit different. We are under Congressman Bob Lattis, District of the 5th. But for those that don't know, that's the farthest northwest corner of Ohio that you can get to. I grew up in that area in a small town multiple small little small towns in those areas that was like 15 minutes from the Indiana border and like 10 minutes from the Michigan border. 
Like we were right up there, man. You could smell the Wolverines for those that enjoy the Ohio State Wolverine uh, battle there. You could smell the Wolverines from just miles away. And you could smell the Hoosiers, hence the name Hoosier, except without the eye, from just a few miles in the other direction as well. Right up in the corner there. And this Congresswoman, uh, Marcia Kaptur, the uh, Democrat that's been there for 21 terms since 1983. And the reason she gets it is because of the large city of Toledo, Ohio, that's in her district right there, dominating the rest of the rural community. The Electoral College for the statewide level, I don't know, something to consider, I think, which is why we've been pushing it here on this program. There are Republicans trying to challenge her in this race. The problem is, is that there's been some drama on who's uh, going to be the candidate for this one. I want to read you this piece from Politico.com. Because this kind of sums up what's going on, and this is why I say Republicans are their own worst enemy. We could win every single election without an issue if we would stop actually beating it, uh, beating ourselves up and actually fighting amongst each other and focus on the real political enemy here. Here's what Politico.com has to say. The GLP is eager to block J.R. Majewski, Majewski, I believe is how you pronounce that, J.R. Majewski from winning the nomination and challenged the veteran Democrat representative Marcy Kaptur. Majewski lost his previous bid for Congress last year after a news report challenging his military records indicating that he lied about combat duty in Afghanistan. Nice. Nice. Now, again, I don't know this individual, but that's interesting, that the fact that that's what we have to deal with here. Republicans turned out for former state legislator Craig Rydell to beat Majewski in this cycle's a primary. However, last week now, an audio tape surfaced of Rydell calling out Donald Trump as arrogant and vowing not to endorse the former president. Now the primary looks uh, poised to become a referendum on which is worse in today's GOP, criticizing Donald Trump or allegedly lying about one's military valor. (laughs) Sounds like two stand-up wonderful individuals. Now, I don't know either one of these individuals, but this brings up an intriguing question. This is... I would say, overall, a very Republican district, except for the city of Toledo, which obviously, because there's more population there, boom, it dominates. I mean, that district right now, uh, the Toledo area has 270,000 voters. Every other small town there, the biggest one has 25,000 people. So, I mean, it's vastly larger than any other um, city or town in that district. Toledo, 270,000 to 25,000 to its nearest population-sized town. That's a problem. That's why it's very difficult for a Republican to win in this district. You would have to go probably a little bit more on the moderate side of issues. However, that being said, we now have the quorum between the Republicans. They have until the 20th of December, which is coming up in just a few days from now, obviously, to actually have the proper candidate file to be the Republican primary candidate going into the race instead of beating each other up. And is it going to be this Majewski who uh, allegedly lied about his military record, or is it going to be the Rydell, who is now an anti-Trump individual, calling him arrogant and not going along with the rest of the Republican mindset that we're starting to finally come to the acceptance that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee for the presidency in 2024, and Republicans are going to have to make that decision on whether they become anti-Trump or whether they get on board and actually support the Republican movement. That's a decision they're going to have to make. But now we have this inner bickering of how to topple this individual. Now, knowing the history in that area, Congressman Bob Ladd has been in that seat for his district in the 5th District for a decent amount of time, and his dad held the seat before him. The district right next to all of them, Jim Jordan, holds that seat just east of them a little bit in, I don't remember the district number that he's in, I think district number one, I think it is. 
right next to them. That entire area is a relatively Republican area. But the question is, why can't Republicans get on board and actually find a decent candidate or find someone that's willing to work with the rest of the Republican caucus in order to do something to rally, to unite, and to topple this 21-session congresswoman that's been in there forever because, well, we need to. And the only way we're going to beat her is having a unified Republican voice turning out in mass to topple over the numbers of that one city that dominates the entire district. Makes me a little upset. We got lots more to get to. Hour number two, right around the corner here for your weekend edition of The Voice of Reason. When we come back, we're going to shift gears. Have you seen the latest Barack Obama movie? We'll talk about some of that. Plus, Bill Kirpin from American Commitment. He'll be joining us as well, talking about internet regulation. Is the internet truly free? All that and more coming up. Stay right around the corner.